1: All right, here we go. We do a podcast for you on this glorious Tuesday. Al is out getting a colonoscopy, so sitting with me is his name, Eddie Scazzeri. What's up, Eddie? Hello, podcast people. So I got three things for you today, one sports-related, to or not. Okay. Uh, we'll do the sports one first and get that out of the way. So last night uh, after the Bills or during the Bills game, I don't know, we had um, another one of these Brawl type of situations where someone threw a beer at someone, and it escalated to a point where it looks the photos are insane online. Once again, humans acting like animals. And also, there was Greg Schiano had a had a press conference yesterday, and I didn't know about it literally until twenty minutes before we recorded this. Otherwise, I would have played it this morning. To where he was talking about the criticism the team is getting after they lost at Iowa on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They're now six and four. Um, They got shut out, but it was a 6-0 game going into the fourth quarter. Their defense was playing great. And his point was, you know, we at Rutgers have to do it differently than some of the bigger programs are. You know, he made a point how college football is now free agency. Then he was like, excuse me, I forgot NIL. And he's like, there are programs that can spend gazillions of dollars getting players. We have to do it a different way. It's going to take us a little bit longer but we're taking the proper steps, and if I would have told you in July we'd be 6-4 and four and down 6 nothing in the fourth quarter at Iowa, the program's in the right direction. But people are unhappy because they lost at Iowa, they expected to win, and everybody's perception is different and people are angry. My point is you've been around this sports game a long time. What has happened to us? And do you think it's always been like this, or is the presence of social media made it far worse now than what it was then?
2: Uh, I agree with the second point that it's the so it's not just the social media, but it's all what that means. Just the technology and the instantaneous nature of many things. You were saying the other day off air, you ordered something from Amazon in the morning, and it was there in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, immediate. And that kind of immediacy is something that we have, we are growing very accustomed to.
1: We have no patience.
2: No. So it's natural that that then translates into
1: everything else in our lives. But where do you think the... So like when your kids are playing, not yours, but when when kids are playing Little League, everything is, uh, unless you've got the lunatic parents, it's mostly positive. You want your kid to do well. If he doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, we'll work on it. All good. Don't worry about it. Forget it. You get to high school... As a, I think as a parent and even parents in the crowd, you start to get a little bit more of the, oh, can't believe you missed that ball, but uh, whatever. It's, it's He's 16 years old, not a big deal. It seems like when you get to college now, we look at them as pros, and then when they get to the professional level, uh, we treat these guys like they're complete garbage mm-hmm. <laughs> when, in fact, they have skills beyond our wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. And even like Al said the other day, like even the 52nd guy on an NFL roster was an elite level player in college, sure, and yet we look at them as like they're trash.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I guess I don't know. It's like where, where do we cross over to where it's? I don't know. I'm. It it seems so vile as sport. We've become just awful as sports fans. Yeah, more yeah. than ever,
2: and, and in many ways, awful as
1: people. All that's well, but that's gone on for centuries.
2: Well, well, yeah. As long as people have been people. Right. We've been killing each other even before we were technically humans, Homo Sapiens. we were killing each other. Yeah. And killing other things. It's just the way of life. Right? It really is something. Yeah. And, and the the kids in the in the little leagues, you know, everybody plays. But when you get to high school, then if Oh you, it's dialed back, sure. You have to make the team. Oh yeah. And then in college now they're being
1: paid. Yeah. And they have to make the team. And that's an interesting point, too, because now, if you think about it, it just sparked a thought. It used to be if you were good enough to get to college, you needed to play so that you could be seen to maybe get to the next level and earn a paycheck Mm -hmm. playing a game. You know, it's interesting what what you just brought up, because now in high school, you could look to college as a way to get paid. If you think you're good, doesn't mean you're going to be a pro. No. But if you think you're good enough to play at that level, you could look to college as a way to legitimately get paid for four years.
2: Right, but it also depends on where you go. You're still talking about the elite level. Oh, for sure. I mean, somebody who's playing at Western Michigan as an offensive lineman is not going to be making any money. No, But if they're an offensive lineman at Alabama, they're making money.
1: Correct, and there are players, even at the likes of Alabama and Michigan and Georgia and all these big programs, Where kids will be paid, and they're never sniffing the NFL.
2: Of course, yes.
1: But they will get paid, and they can make significant money playing college athletics. Right,
2: and not only will they get paid, they'll also have a free
1: education. Right, which drives me nuts that we forget about that. Mm -hmm. Like To me, they've always been paid.
2: Yeah, and at a school, well, I mean, you know better than I what the cost of college tuition at a good school is. Yeah. I mean, it's tens of, wait, uh, over the course of the four years, hundreds of thousands? Correct,
1: Correct. You'd be looking at for, if you're talking about a school where a kid goes room and board, tuition, fees, out of books, state, everything. Well, let's just say, let's take the state school off the table for a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about out of state or a private place. You know, we're not talking about an in-state school. Boston College. Fair enough. So let's say my son wants to go to Boston College. I don't know this off the top of my head, but my guess is going to be, and I can look it up quick enough, my guess is going to be for room and board, tuition, and everything is going to be roughly sixty thousand a year. Mm-hmm. Which means if he gets it done in four years, that's a quarter of a million dollars in education. I mean, what are we talking? What are we doing? Right,
2: and when you you know uh, factor in, you know, it's easily a quarter million because then you're factoring travel back and forth, coming home for Thanksgiving or Christmas, whatever. It's going
1: to be quarter million dollars. And I was wrong. I, I apologize for that. I was wrong in what I said. It is not sixty thousand dollars for. Tuition, room, and board. Adding everything up, it looks like it is $66,000. So we're over I mean, a quarter. And that's not Harvard. Right. And not the Boston College. is a very good school. Absolutely.
2: It's, it's it, like a cut below, but I mean, right there.
1: It's unbelievable. I'm pulling up. I want to see what Harvard is in terms of tuition. So tuition only at Harvard is $55,000 this year. Tuition only. But that's two semesters. Still, it's the academic year. Yeah. Yeah. Then they charge for health services, your housing rate, and whatever student services are, and then there's some other fee here. It totals $80,000 a year.
2: And oh, by the way, you're living in Boston, wow. which is an expensive city.
1: Yeah. Now, I would say if my son was smart enough or interested enough to be a doctor or an attorney or a some sort of a field that... If you have a Harvard degree, he's going to come out and might make two fifty a year. Mm-hmm. Worth it. If you are going to go to Harvard though to study journalism, go f yourself. Right. Not a chance. No. But that's eighty. That's three hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Right. For college. So, and that's an extreme example. But the Boston College one's a good one. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And these guys that play, they stay for free. They eat for free. They travel fantastically. Oh, by the way. Usually there's a summer trip abroad, um, and at the end of the four years, they have a real degree. That, to me, is getting paid. Mm-hmm. I love that they can make more. I think the numbers are a little absurd. Uh, good for them if they can make more money on their name with the jerseys and the tee. All of that is fabulous, but it's gotten out of hand. It's completely gotten out of hand. And you would know better,
2: just a little uh, diversion with the Ivies, you would know better than I, there are no uh, athletic scholarships. No. Are the members of the basketball and football teams, the quote unquote moneymakers, are they usually given some sort of an academic? Scholarship I, have, I don't know. Or it doesn't. Or it depends.
1: One, I don't know. Two, those programs are not moneymakers in the Ivy League. Right. That is not Michigan bringing in one hundred and ten thousand people True. five times a year. That is not um, Kentucky selling out their basketball arena. Right. Or Duke. Yeah, um, they don't sell out. No, I mean even Rutgers sells out all their basketball games. So yes. I do think the basketball program at Rutgers is a money maker. I mm-hmm. think the football program, um, if it's not a money maker, it's close enough to being one. There's no other sport that makes money. That's mm-hmm. the co- again. That's the thing that everyone wants to go to about these athletic programs and how much money they make. They're they they don't. They lose so much. My former partner used to be an athletic director. Before he passed away, he was with me, but he was at uh, Loyola of Maryland for years and years as the AD. And he would tell me the red ink at the end of the year, looking at the budget because, and this is not a woman-man thing, as I've always said with Al, the baseball team loses a fortune. The women's soccer team loses a fortune because they still got to travel. You still got to go everywhere, Mm -hmm. and there's no fans at these games.
2: Right, and unless the school has big-time football.
1: Correct, or big-time basketball. or
2: Either, right. You
1: need one or the other. Women's basketball does not draw unless you're at Iowa. Or UConn. Correct. There are a select few. Stanford, South Carolina. There, Yeah, There's a, but I, I guarantee you, though, even as you start growing down the top 20, Correct. those numbers start to fade, fade, Correct. fade Correct. to where they're hemorrhaging money. Mm-hmm. But you still make the choice to have the sports and let the student-athletes play because if it's only going to be about money-generating sports, guess what? They're all gone. There are no sports anymore. Mm -hmm. There wouldn't be.
2: And at some point, I would would guess, we'll reach a breaking point for a lot of the college athletes. I I would think.
1: Well, it'll reach a breaking point when the networks stop paying the schools as much money as they are. Right. That would be, I think, the answer to that.
2: And a school like Rutgers, a school like Maryland, they could because they have wealthy alumni. And if the tradition starts getting built, like everybody cares about it and you really want to support it, and have these wealthy alums give money—that's you know—but that takes a, a a change in mentality for a school like Rutgers, a school like Northwestern and Maryland, and the other school, the larger schools of Michigan and Alabama and in the South—and it's not only the alums, but it's the community. Oh yeah, which is it, also it's paying, like professional sports to them, paying and supporting. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just the alums. We're in New Jersey. I don't think the – I mean, the local businesses might get involved a little, but it's not like – it's not their whole life it's like different. it is in We've Tuscaloosa. We've got 13
1: professional sports here. Oh, right. Sports teams. Real quick, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about the Rutgers issue that, to me, sucks is that the the, the playing field had just been leveled, finally. Yes. It seemed like, you know, kids would go, specifically talking about basketball, the bigger programs would have kids for a year or two and they were gone. And it really hurt their continuity. And now, teams like Rutgers, who had to build the program and you'd hope you'd keep a kid for four years. And by the time those kids were juniors and seniors, and you saw the turnaround, the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament team, um, the playing field was level. And Rutgers, through their big donors, built unbelievable facilities. And really was a game changer. And now you've got all these bigger recruits that want to come there. And just as that happened, NIL started, and now it's going to be hard to keep kids because programs like Kentucky and Duke and play those blue blood schools are going to start to poach. And Indiana is going to pay more. Right. Whereas Rutgers just got all this money from the donors. Now you're going to go back to them for how much more now to pay the kids?
2: Mm -hmm. Although I will say it's... There's, how many kids are on the uh, college basketball 16. roster? Okay. So it's less than football. Oh, for sure. And the NIL will allow, instead of having a, a, a kid who is very good and could star for many other teams, instead of having him sit behind a, a five-star and he's a four-star, he now can go play for
1: a Rutgers.
2: Oh, absolutely. Which, which helps even out a little bit the
1: here would, NIL. Here would be the issue, though. Trace Jackson Davis, who's now in the NBA, was at Indiana. By all accounts, he was being paid almost a million dollars to play mm-hmm. at Indiana. I don't know this. My guess is Rutgers doesn't have a million dollars. I mean, Greg Sciano said it yesterday. We don't have that kind of money to pay Correct, kids. Right. So if like someone called in during the warm-up show about Ace Bailey, that how did the, how did Rutgers mm-hmm. get Ace yes. Bailey? I think he's the, the third highest uh, ranked player in the country that Rutgers landed. And the question I would have is, how are you going to keep him now? Mm-hmm. Like, Steve Peichel's phenomenal. And the fact that he got him to me is amazing. Um, he, the program's great. He's a great coach. It's a family atmosphere there. But at the end of the day, is Ace Bailey going to be happy making X if another program after one year comes and says, man, you're pretty good. We'll give you 10 times what you're getting. Yep. I, I know Steve Peichel. My guess is he would tell a kid like that, you got to take you it. Gotta, you got to And do that it. sucks.
2: It does. And you're at the point now where for Rutgers, Northwestern, and Maryland, maybe every couple of years you'll have enough yes. three or four stars and a great coach
1: you're right. where you can compete well, for and that's, that year only. And that's where Rutgers has built it because they're co- he is such a good coach and the program is in a good place that they will compete. The question is, can they sell top? talent on staying i hope mm-hmm. they can i think they can but i also wouldn't be surprised if these other schools come knocking behind closed doors right
2: and even though we're near new york city the you know world capital uh it's Rutgers is so far down the list because of all what you know the all the professional teams in the area it just doesn't cut through
1: correct so i'll to a certain extent. During tournament time, it does. Yes, for sure. Which is fun. But that's another issue about us. As a, I don't even know what we are as a station anymore. So mm-hmm. that's another issue. Um, so how about this story? Friends till the end, loyal dog found alive be- beside hiker owner's body two months after he vanished. Mm. I only really bring this up because we love our animals. We love our pets. This to me is amazing from the standpoint of that's a dog that by all accounts had to go fend for itself feed on whatever it could find and instead of basically trying to survive on its own went back to its owner every day mm-hmm. even though the owner i don't even know i can't even imagine what the person looked like two months after i i, I imagine the guys he said owner's body so he yeah. had to have been dead yes what could that have possibly looked like after eight
2: yeah. weeks and that's that's the the connection between dogs and humans it's uh, amazing and it's so much deeper than any other animal connection. I love cats. I've had cats. Yeah, but and this has been proven. Yeah, I don't by, talk,
1: don't talk to me about the cat eating the people again. Right. Well, I don't want to hear that. Won't. Yeah, no. But, good. I but, don't want to hear about my cat eating me.
2: But that's the difference. There's such a connection between dogs and people. You know, it's been going on minimum twenty five thousand years of sort of co evolution, cohabitation, and partnerships that it's a really an amazing thing. It's very, it's sad and tragic, but that's remarkable and shows the bond between dogs and people.
1: 25,000 years. Think about that. Yeah. And we're like in year with our calendar, 2023, which means we've been walking this earth for a long time. Yeah. My uh-huh. Lord. Yeah. And I mean, Christ I was... didn't come around until zero. Uh, theoretically. Yes. Yeah. Like the man around around that time. around that time, and we look at that why because that's when there was documentation. Is that why we look at that time?
2: Well, the the Romans once they adopted Christianity as mm-hmm. their state religion, and they were the world power at the time, and the whole Greco-Roman calendar, the Julian calendar, I guess it is more precisely, they tried to fix a date. You know, AD up, ap, upray, dominating after God, mm-hmm. um, and they, so that's not
1: for after death.
2: No, it's Latin for I think something dominating.
1: So BC is not before Christ, and it AD is, is not after death.
2: No, before Christ is BC. Yes, but that's now that's sort of not. I don't know if it's not PC or not scientific, whatever. Okay, they say now BCE before the Common Era. Now, why don't they just say BCE? B.C. instead of B.C. I don't know. We all know what we're talking about. Right, right, right. But the actual date of Christ's birth, they're not now 100% sure if it was, you know, at that year zero or if it was a little before. That was like maybe about 4, 8, uh, four B.C. or whatever.
1: But yeah. How about that? Yeah. hmm So we could start a calendar right now. Uh, sure you could. We could yeah. start the year zero. Start sure. over.
2: And listen, <laughs> if there's some holocaust or some uh visitation by advanced alien race which takes us to the next level by the way that could then be realized as year zero it could be or if we get one of these generation ships you know to go uh um
1: in light speed what's that in light speed to go check another planet
2: no no well yeah even at light speed you're talking about just or or really Things that would be journeying in, in space for hundreds or thousands of years to get to another planet where you're going to have people live, be born in generations. Let's call it a generation ship. You know, they would start their year probably a calendar when they left
1: Earth. You As know. space humans. Yes. Where they live their life in space. In a gigantic ship. And they continue to churn out new generations right, because until they get to a new planet because it could be, be hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah, That sounds like a trip I wouldn't want to go on. Well,
2: but you know, if the earth becomes inhabitable or something, but you know, we got to get to that point of developing that technology before we
1: get to ru-
2: ruin ourselves by war or, you know, just environmental catastrophe or what have you. You know so if we want to the species to continue, we have to get out there and start spreading the seed, if you will, yep before. <laughs> it's too late why don't you be the first space seed spewer (laughs) (laughs) Um, a little too old probably but it still works yeah cloning robert De Niro just had a
1: kid good point point. your 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 seed is fine i'm sure
2: and then cloning and all that stuff is fine
1: my lord uh last one for you Mm -hmm. so and ironically enough since you kind of i didn't even mean to go into this topic until this but explain to me the hubble telescope from the standpoint of, I see telescope, I think some guy's in an apartment building looking through a telescope. Mm-hmm. What exactly is it? And how can they well, now...
2: The Hubble was like the in the 90s and there was a problem. All right, so there's the, a new one now. The James Webb is probably okay. the one you're thinking about. That
1: is now seeing planets that are, I don't know how far away, but somehow they're picking up planets that are Earth-like. How? Mm-hmm. Like, where is this thing? Okay,
2: it's in orbit. It's where? It's in orbit. It's out. Okay. It, it's, it's out in
1: space. And it, we can communicate. What kind of Wi-Fi do we have out there?
2: It, it, radio waves. Radio. So the radio
1: waves can transmit images?
2: Yes, sure. Television. You know, broadcast signals.
1: From it, space? Yes. Fascinating.
2: I mean, heck, we talked to the guys on the moon, if you believe the moon landing was real.
1: You know, we talked to them, and there was yeah, a slight delay. There just seems something so nuts about being able to take somehow get images that are, as you pointed out, could be hundreds of thousands of years away by travel, Mm -hmm. and yet it can see or pick up these images?
2: Yeah, well, you know, when it's looking at distant things, it's looking into the past. So, you know, it's looking, if it's, you know, 2,000 light years away, that image is 2,000 years old because it took the light that long.
1: To travel to it.
2: Yeah, and light is the fastest thing, you know, we know. Nothing can travel faster than light unless you get into quantum entanglement and spooky action at a distance, which I had you ask uh, yes I, about. I do remember. Um, you know, that means no matter where, if two particles are linked, they could be in another galaxy, which is, you know, billions of light years away. And if you change one here, its partner, however far away, will also change. So you can have instantaneous communications across incredibly vast differences.
1: You ever think sometimes none of this is real? Yeah. Like nothing what we're doing right now is real. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's all a computer program. That's one theory. And it's, yeah, it is. But so as far as we know, the speed of light is, is the speed limit. But except then you get into the quantum entanglement and that whole thing. But that's... I I don't. I can understand on the very, very surface, but I can't even scratch my fingernail below that.
1: Have you ever thought to take a class to learn more about it? I I don't. uh, Just for for the layman, for
2: sure. For you, yeah. Yeah, But not like to actually understand it. I don't have the math. Really? Yeah. My brain, like, there's certain. I mean, maybe I, I haven't tried really since college to really fathom calculus beyond the very basic level yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's that's a whole nother level of of math and understanding which i don't think i'm capable of it's
1: funny you brought up calculus last thought so during the warm-up show which is coming up in just a moment um i in the third segment i think i was talking about songs that brought me back to a specific yes. point in time in my life and the fact that i heard the three of them in a row this morning really made me. I don't know. It just was
2: weird. But they all had such a strong trigger. Oh my for god! You. It was,
1: and it's not even the song as much as it's those those first ten seconds of mm-hmm. the song, and it just as you're you right, say,
2: you're right there where you were.
1: Yes, and I remember being in the car with Alcatraz and the Don Henley song, and I remember the look on my friend's face when I spilled the tobacco spit on him, like all those things. But you mentioned calculus, and I remember my first day at Jersey City State College. Um, after the whole thing that happened at Upsala, whatever. And I signed up for five classes, and everything was fine. And I remember walking in, I took Calc 2, I think, because I had taken Calculus 1 at Upsala. I got by, not great. And I don't even know why I signed up for Calculus 2, because I wasn't very good at at it. And I walked into the class, and I looked up at the board, and I didn't know what I was looking at. And I walked up to the professor, and I just said, Hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm in your class. I'm just, is this what we're working on? And he goes... Well, that's the beginning. He goes, that's what we're going to do today. He goes, but we're far beyond that by next week. Huh. And I remember saying, sir, it's nice to meet you. I went right back to my guidance counselor. dropped the class. Yeah. I, there was, I I didn't know. He, he called it just a quick review before we get to the new stuff. I didn't know what I was looking at on the board. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how some people are so good with it and can pick up on it and can understand it. And someone like myself who can do math in my head better than I can write it out. Right. But calculus,
2: not a a clue. It's a a jump from arithmetic.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. really is. So, All right. Well, thank you for doing this. All righty. We do have the warm-up show coming up next. I'd like you to check it out. I mean, listen, kind of boring because it was me solo uh, and there was no No, Al. But we did four calls. We did four calls, which I enjoy. Yeah. I think that's kind of fun. Um. So that's coming up next. Al will be back tomorrow, but the warm up show is right now. You do the end for me, and we'll see you tomorrow. See you
0: this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan.
3: Our goal for next year, I got news for you, it won't change. And it'll never change. We're gonna chase that Super Bowl. We're gonna we're gonna chase it until we get it. And then we'll chase it after that again. But that's it. People want to criticize us. Then you go ahead, but you really got no right. When New York sports happens, talk about it
0: here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the Free Odyssey app. Good
1: morning, campers. Alan, Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't start. Right, here we go, a couple minutes after 5 o'clock. What do you say we do this on a two? Tuesday morning as we put a bow on week 10 in the NFL. The Eddie Scazzeri, what's up? Fliegelman's in there too. How we doing? Uh, we're falling apart around here. So usually this is when I would introduce uh, Al Dukes. He's not here. He spent the night in his Pooping. yes Yes, uh, he spent the night. As you say, a tornado of poop. Correct. Uh, Colonoscopy for Al uh, today. So he had to take those pills. I know, Eddie, you took those pills a little while ago as well for the colonoscopy. I did. Um, What was interesting, as we'll get to the bills, I promise, in a second, and the jets, because Rob Sala is, is, well, whatever. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, So he took the pills as well, didn't drink the formula. He said he couldn't start taking those pills till 6 p.m. Which means he had to stay up and spend the evening in the toilet. There's the big steaming pile. (laughs) Which sounds just awful. So he has an appointment this morning for the colonoscopy as long as he cleared himself out. And also, and he talked about all this on the podcast, so I'm not speaking out of turn. I think it's a 1 o'clock. Oh, is it 1 o'clock? I believe so. So, timeout. You're telling me he couldn't eat from 10 a.m yesterday or 11 a.m uh, he told me when he was leaving here he was done eating okay. aside from beef broth which is not eating let's be honest a lot of water no food and he doesn't have that procedure till one is he's gonna wake up this morning and wait all morning
2: yes that's oh. I always try to schedule him like at 7 a.m
1: yes that's usually when they do it first thing in the morning so all right so one o'clock today he will have the colonoscopy and the Endoscopy, is that how you say that? Correct. Where you go down your throat and and take a look at the esophagus. Poop so, emoji. Yes. Yeah, so he did that last night, and I imagine by now he's cleaned out, but who knows? Uh so he's not here today. And Spike, our boss is having a procedure. So it's like, what the hell is going on? We're all falling apart around here. So be it. We wish everybody well. So let's get to last night, and then we're going to get into the Jets and the Giants, because there's a couple of things that struck me um from both our head coaches that spoke yesterday. And oh, by the way, four calls. Four calls coming up middle segment. If you don't call, that's fine, I'll keep talking. But four calls on anything you want to talk about. Can be about Al, can be about the show, can be about the Giants, Jets, man, I don't care, or the Monday night football game. So you think you think we've got it bad here with the way we've watched the Giants and Jets? Well, we do. I mean the Giants are atrocious. They're two and eight. And quite frankly, uh, as Sean O'Hara said on the Giant postgame show on MSG after they lost to the Cowboys Sunday. Um, This isn't even professional football, meaning the product that the Giants are putting out onto the field. So, yeah, it's bad. It's not good compared to where we were last year. Yes, the Jets are not good. They're a very, they're a really good defense. I don't think they're a great defense, but they're really good. They keep the team in every single game. They've got an offense that doesn't score, Um, but they're, you know, mediocre. They're four and five. Then there are the Bills. Now, when I talk about and when you look at the Giants there's a lot of reasons why you could say they're 2 and 8. Now I don't think even with the injuries they should be 2 and 8, but I will tell you this. There's no way they should be 8 and 2. With the Jets, they were basically supposed to be run by Aaron Rodgers, a Hall of Fame quarterback. So at least you can look at the Jets and say, mm, "I get it. They're doing the best they can. They don't have have Aaron Rodgers. They've got Zach Wilson, a few steps down. You can see why they're 4 and 5. Probably should be 5 and 4. Really should be 6 and 3 if we're being honest." but they're 4 and 5. Okay, fair enough. How about if you're the Buffalo Bills? The Buffalo Bills are a team we talk about Super Bowl championship windows. You know, a lot of times you figure out that window is as long as you've got that Super Bowl winning quarterback or that Super Bowl contending quarterback, and I think the Bills believe they've got that in Josh Allen. They've been close, they've been to the playoffs, they've lost, they've lost tough playoff games. We know all this. You come into this year and the expectation in Buffalo is Super Bowl or bust. Well, right now through 10 games, the Buffalo Bills are closer to a bust than they are a Super Bowl contending team. They, if you're just waking up, they lost last night. You'll see the score 24-22. You might even read that they turned the ball over four times. You might find out that Josh Allen threw a couple of interceptions. They had bad fumbles. They had penalties. And yeah, not good. What are you going to have? The Broncos won three in a row. They bid. All right. Well, it must have been the turnovers. Well, yeah, that's part of the story for sure. But you know what the bigger part of the story is? And this comes down to the coaching and what we think of coaches. So I would say going into this year, most people, if asked the question, what do you think of Sean McDermott as a head coach? You would think, you know what, pretty good. They win a lot of games. They're in the playoffs. They might even contend for a Super Bowl this year. Well, if what happened last night in Buffalo happened to the Jets this weekend, and that's why they lost to the Raiders. Or if what happened last night in Buffalo happened to the Giants, and that's why they lost to the Cowboys on Sunday, this radio station would have been on fire for, I'm not even saying 24 hours, the week, and maybe beyond. The Buffalo Bills, as they are still time to go, still have seven games, they can go on a seven-game winning streak, wouldn't shock me, and they could end up going 12-5, and wouldn't be surprising. But at this point in the season, they're in the midst of a playoff fight. Fair to say, mediocre with the loss, 5-5. Five and five, They're basically um, with a collection of teams that are right there in the mix. Who knows who gets there? Who knows who doesn't? So the Buffalo Bills playing a team that they should beat, the Broncos. I know they won two in a row, but let's be honest. The Broncos haven't been good. The Broncos have been mediocre at best. I would actually say bad, quite frankly. They lost the game last night where they played terribly. Because the Broncos line up for a field goal to win the game down 22 21 and Will Lutz misses. And you're thinking game over. The Bills, not a great performance. They were sloppy, but you know what? They're going to escape with a win. They're going to get to six and four. And maybe they can start turning things around. They got things to work on. Got to be a little better. Can't turn the ball over. We got to do this. We had Josh Allen's got to be better. But you know what? We're the better team we won. And then that yellow piece of laundry is flying out. And to hear the official, too many men on the field. And then they move the ball up five yards. And then Will Lutz makes from 36. Ball game over. Broncos win. The Broncos win. <laughs> I mean, you got, I tell you, whether it's coaching, whether it is players not in the right frame of mind to know when they're supposed to be on the field, to know when they're supposed to get the hell off the field. Whatever the case, whoever you want to blame, if that was the Jets or the Giants, we would be going nuts. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, inexcusable. That is taking a victory and handing over a defeat. Now, in fairness, as I said, they did enough to lose the game anyway, so probably well-deserved. I'm not saying the Bills played a better game. Not by a long shot, but in the end, you're up 22-21. You could also make the case of 41-yard field goal. The probability he, he should probably make it anyway. Fair enough. But he still missed, and you blew it. For like the eighth time in that game, they blew it. So if you're the Buffalo Bills, you got lots of explaining to do because last night was about as bad a loss as you can have, and you do it in front of the home crowd, which to me makes it even worse. And then real quick, because... When Brian Dable came here and Daniel Jones played so much better last year and Daniel Jones didn't turn the ball over, all we said was, you know, Brian Dable, Brian Dable, Brian Dable, look what he did with Josh Allen. He leaves. Josh Allen's back to a turnover machine. Look at Daniel Jones. He doesn't turn the ball over. All true. And when the Giants were winning games, won nine of them last year, and won a playoff game, you're thinking, boy, this guy is really something. And there's part of that is true because Daniel Jones was a better quarterback last year. Josh Allen under Brian Dable was a better quarterback two more picks last night. I don't know what his deal is, but Josh Allen is not the same and this Bills team is not the same as they are now 5 and 5 playing a Jets team. I mean, you talk about how big this game is now this weekend. The Dolphins are 6 and 3, not running away with anything. And I think if anything would prove that the Dolphins are the Dolphins are really good but they have run into some spots where you sit there and shake your head and you say is that the same dolphin team that hung 70 on the broncos is that the same dolphin team that you know can light it up for 40 points and, and have 500 yards of offense like it makes you think that the dolphins are a beatable team in the afc east well the bills i don't think are in a position to beat anybody right now i mean they're very average they're 5 and 5 the jets are 4 and 5 with a win sunday Think about this, with a win Sunday, the Jets would be 5-5, five and five. the Bills would go to 5-6. and six. I don't know, Eddie, who did the Dolphins play Sunday, this weekend? Any ideas? Uh, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> but if the Jets win Sunday, they would have the tiebreaker over the Bills, having beaten them both times this year. This game is enormous for the Jets, so let's get to them for a second. Rob Sala, who taking a beating left and right, and rightly so. Whether it is the way the team plays, doesn't play, the penalties, that whatever the reason might be that you have for wanting to kill Rob Sala, I am getting to the point where I am no longer going to fight you on it. Because press conferences like yesterday, in my opinion, make you want to vomit. You know, Al always talks about he would like to be a social media consultant for some of these teams, or even just a media consultant for when they talk to the press. There are right things to say. There are wrong things to say. There's being completely honest. Then there's being completely honest, but you can kind of withhold some information. Here's what Rob Sala needs to start doing at these press conferences. Stop talking. That's what he needs to do. He's too wordy. He said this yesterday, and this is something that I'm not even going to dispute it. Because Zach Wilson doesn't turn the ball over, so he has been better. I, I That's fine, and I didn't think he played a bad game in Vegas on Sunday night at all. I, he was fine. They don't get into the end zone, that's a problem. But he has been better, I agree. The problem is, the Jet fan doesn't want to hear that, and rightly so. They haven't scored a touchdown in 36 drives. You know how hard that is to do? in the 2023 version of the NFL, where the rules are in favor of the offense. And he said, quote, yesterday, Rob Sala, with Zach Wilson staying at quarterback, which we all expected. That's not a shock. Quote, Zach is actually playing pretty good. You're not wrong, but the Jet fan doesn't want to hear that. How about just leave it at, like everybody else on this team, Zach's got to play better. Next question. I got it. I understand the question. He's got to play better. I've got to coach better. We have to play better. Next question. Stop talking about how great Zach Wilson is playing. And then on top of it, he goes on to, I got two other things on this that made me want to vomit. And I think Marco played the clip at the top of the hour. The whole thing about how, let's be honest, guys, this was put together for Aaron Rodgers. This system was put in place for Aaron Rodgers. We're working through it. All good. If it's September 14th, we are now in the middle of November. If we haven't worked through it by now, you're never working through it. So that was another thing I took some issue with. Just he talks too much. He's like Boomer always says. Like these baseball managers, they talk too much. Rob Sala needs to shut up. And what I mean by that is stop giving so much information. Every answer doesn't have to be a four-paragraph diatribe. Just give the answer. Move on. Talk to someone that can help you with these questions. Move on. The last one. And this goes to the whole point about it being November 14th. Part of the problem with their loss in Vegas were what? The penalties. Bad penalties and bad spots and bad times. Specifically, the one on uh, was it? I think it was Uzama. Might have been Conklin. I forget. But it was on on one of the tight ends when they score the rushing touchdown after Zach has the touchdown where he steps out of bounds. So, asked about the penalties yesterday, he says, "quote We will continue to address that. How about you address it by benching someone? How about making someone an example? Hold someone accountable publicly?" Now, I get the fact that you're trying to be Mr. Nice Guy on the outside and that perhaps behind closed doors you're an animal. I have no idea. don't know how you are with these guys. It certainly seems like you're more friends with them than you are the coach of them. But when you've got a fan base that was expecting a big run, you don't do anything at the quarterback position except, except hand the reins over to Zach Wilson, and you are losing games for so many different reasons. Start holding guys accountable, for God's sakes. This whole notion about, I've got to coach better. Yeah, you do, but you know what? Guys need to play better. Guys need to play more responsibly. Guys need to play and do their job the right way. Put someone's, you know, Bobby Knight passed away last week, and CeeLo was in, I think I was hosting with G the day after, and he played the one clip about ass to bench, bench to ass, and that whole relationship. And you know what happens when your ass hits the bench, the bench wins because the whole idea is something goes off in your brain that says, if I don't play better, I'm going to be stuck here. Maybe sometimes examples need to be made of to make a point. Everybody's too comfortable. All these coaches are too nice. Everything's buddy-buddy. Well, perhaps me getting someone's ass once in a while, and maybe the results actually will change. So, I don't know, all that stuff from the Jet press conference yesterday just made my head want to explode. Because while I think Rob Sala's a good coach, he is not proven yet to be a good head coach. I think he's a hell of a nice guy. I don't know that he is that way behind closed doors, but maybe he's got to not be so nice once in a while. How about when that holding penalty is called and the Jets have to settle for three, how about you see a little bit of anger? Just a little bit. How about you see the guy in San Francisco that used to be fiery on the sidelines and not just be fiery and excited when the team actually does something well, but fiery and pissed off once in a while when things don't go well. Because my God, there are a lot of examples of that. And I hate to always complain about stuff, but I don't know how you couldn't. If you're a Jet fan, you're watching that press conference yesterday or you hear the clips that your brain... Isn't just fried from listening to it. So, anyway, four calls coming up. I promise four calls. Whatever you want to talk about. Could be the Bills' disaster last night. Could be the Jets. Could be the the Mets. They have a new manager. We could talk about the Yankees. Doesn't matter. Could talk about Al. Could be Boomer and Geo. Whatever you want. And if not, we will get into Brian Dable and the Giants. We got lots to do. Also, coming up, I heard four songs today, four straight songs in a row. And it's you know you hear a lot of you hear a lot of songs every day in your life, but there are certain songs that make you think and bring you back to a certain moment. I heard four specific songs today that brought me back to exact moments in my life that it was actually freaky. So at some point this morning I'll bring up those as well. But four calls It sixty six sixty six. It is the warm up show. Al's out today. He will be back tomorrow. We've got Boomer and Geo at six on the fan. Five after five. McMonigle with you. Not kidding. Um, He's the Beatles guy around here. Nice to hear from the Beatles in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Four calls coming up in one second. Just real quick. Because I did see this. Two quick betting stories that I saw. And I know we only get these stories when they are for large amounts of money. Usually. One good, one bad. So the good one was a guy placed a same game parlay bet on the, the Bengals and Texans. Now to win this kind of money he clearly bet a lot. I believe he bet $500,000. So to bet to win 5.5 million he bet 500,000 and hit on the Texans winning on the money line over the Bengals, Devin Singletary to rush for over 51 yards. Singletary and any time touchdown score and the over of 45 and a half. So he put out, I mean, think about that. He put out $500,000 needed all four things to happen. And it did. And he wound up winning five and a half million. And then this one I saw from last night, a guy placed two, not one, two million dollar wagers on the bills to cover what the, what's called alternate spreads in the first half. So it wasn't even like he got the whole game out of this. It was These were two first-half bets. He bet a million dollars on the Bills at minus one and a half and a million dollars on the Bills at minus four and a half, both in the first half, and they trailed 15-8 at halftime. And, oh, by the way, they had the ball late in the second quarter, and I believe Josh Allen turned it over. So a couple of odd, one good, one bad in terms of gambling. All right, four calls. This is what we do when Al is out. Al is having a colonoscopy today, so four calls. We will start. Give me anything you want. It's it's fine. The the the, the topic is yours to choose. Maury and Belmore. Good morning, Maury. What's going on? Good morning.
4: Good morning, Jerry. I love the four questions. The big question of the day, very similar to the
1: traffic report,
4: is Al's colon clean?
1: Yes, it will be.
4: So you have a clear road to do the surgery, to do what they need to do to make sure that uh, that yes. canal is
1: clear. Yes, because as you know, last time he did this, it was not through no fault of his yeah. own. He did everything he was supposed to do, and then he got yelled at by the doctor for not being clean enough with his procedure last from question. the night before. Yes,
4: what is the what is the dog doing while he's on the pooper?
1: Ah, the dog. So the dog. Thank you very much, Maury, for the call. I appreciate it. I will tell you the dog stayed at his girlfriend's. So he was actually able to run back and forth to the ba- bathroom and then sleep in peace. Uh, and then all was good. And I will tell you this. If ALS results don't come out clean, I give up. I completely give up on nutrition and eating properly and also yes, Eddie. But family history, I understand that. So that but, but that's here's a what big I will, factor, genetic. Here's what I will tell you to that though. And this is goes to what he and I talk about on the podcast a lot with information, misinformation. There are a lot of these nutrition people out there that will tell you that all of that is a load of crap, that it's not family history, that even though what we've been told for years and years and years and years is actually not the case. To the point, as I've said to Al, I don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah,
2: I would I would believe genetics. Myself. I happen
1: I happen to agree with you. All I'm, all I'm saying is there's a lot of people that we do follow that have degrees from ivy league schools that will tell you that that's all crap it's mostly diet it's exercise it's sleep all now his sleep not great but al for the last 10 years i don't know if it's it's close i don't know if it's i don't think it's 10 years but i will tell you um conservatively for the last five years he has eaten as good as any human being i know Mm -hmm, and i mean religiously with his Friday night pizza as like his one little treat. He eats so well and is on, I don't even want to call it a strict diet because he does what he does and he enjoys doing it, but it is, it is strict and he eats as clean as any human being I know. So, given everything that I have watched, listening to the so called experts, um, if he is not in good health and if Al Dukes has not lived to be 130, I give up because he should be. The example. But we shall see. Bobby in the Bronx. What's up, Bobby? How are you? Al Dukes eats like a bird. Are you kidding, Jerry? And Eddie and the whole district. He eats, no, he, you know what's funny though, Bobby? He eats more than that. It's just he eats very clean. He really does. He Al actually eats a ton. Every hour he's eating something. It's not like he has, you know, a, a bowl of lettuce for lunch and, you know, for breakfast he has a yogurt parfait and that's all. He literally eats something every hour.
4: Well, he's the Felix Unger of Galloping gourmets. Uh but uh anyway, first of all, Eddie Scazerri when it comes to producing shows is an intellectual genius. Use that as a promo. But let me just get back to fo- <laughs> Let me get back to football for a second. About time the 49 has brought someone out in to help out Nick Bozic. for 4 years you're watching Bozic get double triple teamed Every single game, you got to not not have tryouts. Bring in somebody who can rush the passer, and so you don't double team them. And you now you have a good pass rush, and some, that pass rush was responsible for all the uh, interceptions that they had uh, the other day. Well, but
1: well, go ahead, you and nothing wrecks on. a game more. You can I don't care who your quarterback is. We saw it with the Giants in the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Nothing wrecks a game more than a good pass rush. And the, when they made that trade with Washington last week, I I could not believe that because I, I still think they're a dominant defense I know they've lost the last couple of games before Sunday but I, I to me that was a missing piece that I didn't think was missing that likely will take them deep into the playoffs
4: yeah this is two years in a row they got McCaffrey yeah. last year they're pulling a heist on the trading deadline now listen Al dukes does not think Big Max and you of food. He, if he had a Big Mac and a before he went in there this morning, they better have him surrounded by, like, <laughs> ten gorgeous nurses if he starts to, you know.
1: I, uh, yes, I work. understand, Bobby. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. He did what he had to do. He's going to be just fine, and hopefully all his testing goes just fine. Mike in Manhattan, what's up? Four calls. What's up, Mike?
2: Hey Jerry, what's happening? Listen, I hope they don't find my boot up uh, uh you know, Al's. <laughs>
1: nah, I think we'll be just fine.
2: <laughs> let me let me ask you a question, yeah. Jerry. You know, on this Zach Wilson thing, the uh, they wanted to get
4: Trevor Lawrence, right? Yeah. How come? How come more teams when it, when the, that franchise quarterback comes up, how come they don't position themselves in the draft to get that second, first round pick? and be ready for it. Well, I
1: think
2: it's... Be ready for uh, Trevor Lawrence and have two picks ready for him uh, and let him go into free agency and make a market for these guys who are kind of untouchable with these two first-round draft
1: picks. Well, I think, first of all, and I appreciate the call, Mike. We'll look for your boot, no problem. Um, I think when you're talking about trying to position yourself to draft a guy, I think that is something that sounds great in theory, and I don't think that that is a real thought because the guys on the field are trying to play. So if the notion was, why didn't they lose another game or two? So they could have gotten Trevor Lawrence and not Zach, well, all of that. You're right. From a fan perspective, that's what you want them to do. Like I would think a giant fan today could be wrong, but I would think a giant fan today wants the giants to go two and 15 and they want to draft Caleb Williams. The problem with that theory is you can't tell the 52 men that are, you know, playing every Sunday to go out there and lose on purpose Things will take care of themselves. If you're not a good football team, you're not a good football team, and it will prove it. What we saw Sunday out of the Giants, as Sean O'Hara said, didn't look like a professional football team. Unless they get healthy in a hurry, the Giants are going to struggle the rest of the season. I don't care who their head coach is. They're not good talent-wise right now. They're banged up in key spots. We know this. And so that will take care of itself. Um, And then just... The idea of wanting to draft a guy also doesn't mean that you're going to get a guy that's going to be your quarterback for 10 or 15 years. We've seen so many busts, especially from that position, that, yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked like the real deal. Now, the whole thing with Zach Wilson is another conversation completely because I will go back to that draft year, and if I'm wrong, someone's got to prove it because I don't remember hearing Zach Wilson's name when the season began. There was no mention of Zach Wilson. And then all of a sudden, as we progressed through the season, Zach Wilson was doing these great things at BYU and then the pro day, and oh, we got to draft Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, Zach Well, Okay, well, that's proven out to be whether they screwed him up or whether he wasn't ready. Either way, Zach Wilson has not played like a number two overall pick. But then again, again, you go through the history of NFL drafts, there's a lot of busts. There's a lot more... There's a lot more busts than you believe and there's a lot of guys that get drafted in rounds 1 through 7 that never make a mark in the league and really have no career year, two years out. That's that's a fact. I believe the average career is like 4 years and that takes into account the guys that play 10, 12, 13 years, so many of them. If you you might even have guys that play one game and you never hear from them again. It's difficult, not easy. And then final call for four calls Joe and Mm, is that Manhattan? Oh, man- uh, Manahawkin. What's up, Joe? Down the shore. What's going on? Hey, Jerry. How's it going, man? I'm good. How I are you? To see, I'm good, man. I wanted to see if you had any insight as to how Steve
4: Peichel was able to land Ace Bailey for Rutgers basketball, man.
1: Insight? No. I will tell you that he is a very good people person. I mean, and I think when you're talking about recruiting. Um, you've got to sell your program, your vision, and what the player can be inside that program to the player. Um, they have one of the best recruiting classes. Obviously, Ace Bailey just announced and signed the other night. Um, they have one of the best recruiting classes in the country, um, by all accounts, by these the experts that actually rank them. Um, I know... You know, There's a lot of Rutgers alum and fans that are hoping for Dylan Harper, uh, Ron Harper Jr.'s brother. I don't know if that's going to happen. If it does, I mean, you will be talking about a crazy recruiting class. But Ace Bailey is, from everything I've read, a top five, uh, five-star player. So very exciting times for Rutgers um, because when he gets here, which will be next year, Um, they are going to be something – they're really going to be something to watch. They'll be good this year. I can tell you that. They are going to be very good this year. You add him to the mix and then a couple of the other recruits they have, and then, of course, if – and I don't know if that will happen – if a uh, a Dylan Harper signs here, too, and goes to college at Rutgers like his brother did, look out because they will be set up. Now, it's a different time in college athletics, as everybody knows. Everybody's basically a free agent if they want to be at the end of the year, and the name, image, and likeness has made things very difficult to keep, guys – there are, I believe, the it's the, the the numbers in the thousands of players that put their name in the portal now every year. And so it's almost like you got to sell them every year on what you're doing. But to go out and get and be able to recruit and sign a kid like Ace Bailey really tells you something about the direction of the program and what he has built there. All right, that does it for four calls. On the other side, we got something on Brian Dable. Also, the songs that make you think of a specific time and moment in your life that hit me. Pretty good today. We got that and more than Boomer and Geo at six on the fan. Hi, right, quarter to six. It is the warm-up show. Till then, Boomer and Geo coming up in a few minutes. We'd like to thank our four callers today for four calls. Um, coming up just a little bit, uh, something on the music. Also, I want to ask Fliegelman something too. But first, uh, the Giants. Real quick, just, this is a quick one from yesterday. Uh, this quote that basically every coach now says after every loss, uh, we can all do a better job, and it starts with me. That was the quote from Brian Dable yesterday. Not wrong, but you know what else? They can play better. Um, the idea, and I, you're starting to hear it creep into talk shows. I don't know that it's been written about yet, although I have seen headlines that have said something along the lines that he deserves to come back. The idea that the Giants would actually go in a different direction, I don't care if they don't win another game. You saw last year, and and to me it was not smoke and mirrors with that team. Yeah, they won a lot of close games, but they were a well-coached team. Uh, They did not commit stupid penalties in big spots in games. They didn't turn the ball over, and a lot of that, to me, is coaching. Um, Team was in position to win, and they got the best out of their quarterback. That, to me, was coaching. That was not... You know, you want to say, well, why is it different than Joe Judge? And there they they were red flags with Joe Judge. We, we talked about it when he was there. I mean, my God, the bar was so low with Joe Judge that I think they won six games and we were basically rejoicing that they almost made the playoffs at 6-10 and 10 or something, it's some nonsense like that. Um, you knew there was an issue there. You knew there was an issue with the McAdoo. Um, the idea, though, that the Giants don't have their head coach, he can coach. They're going to be fine. They need to play better. They need to be healthy. And they they have issues that they will have to address in the offseason. And I know a Giant fan doesn't want to hear that, that they're fine. But I do believe going forward, leadership down, that this organization will be okay. All right, real quick, real quick. So I was driving in, and I'm bouncing all over the place. I got McMonigle. I got my music. I got McMonigle. I got my music. And I heard three songs um, in this order. And they made, I mean, it really brought me back to moments in my life that, it almost gave me the chills, actually, just because they were three specific songs. So the first one is this, which I don't know how many of you guys even know this, this song, but this this is a band called The Breeders. The song is called Cannonball. Uh, And I take you back to, I guess it was 95. I was driving to... Uh, Florida with my friends Mark and Brian, and Brian's in the front seat, and I was um, chewing tobacco at the time as we were making the 16-hour trip to Florida. And, well, when you're in the car for a long time and you're not stopping much, sometimes that spit cup gets quite big. And at one point, we were somewhere in South Carolina. We had just put this CD in, and that song was on. And Brian looks at me and goes, you think you might want to pull over and dump that cup? like, nah, it's fine. I got another hour's worth of spitting to do. I swear to you, it was not another two or three miles that I go to pick up the spit-filled cup, and I mean disgusting tobacco juice, that I hit a pothole on I-95, and that cup went all over Brian's lap. And the songs playing as his face got redder redder and redder and redder. And long story short, we stopped and then we had to uh, clean things off. But that is a moment in time that I will never forget. Anytime I hear the breeders, uh, specifically that song, I think about that moment. I heard Don Henley, Dirty Laundry, which I go back to 1983, I believe in California on vacation. We hear it. My cousin Anthony was in the car. We hear that song on the radio on our way to Alcatraz. And then we got in the car after being at Alcatraz first song, ...on the radio, and it made me think of that. I was nine years old at the time, so when I hear that song, which is rare, you know, it takes me back to that day. And then the other one, which was right after that, was, if you remember the song from Pearl Jam, An Elderly Woman Standing Behind the Counter in a Small Town, I believe is the name of the song, a very lengthy title. It takes me back to, I think it was 94-ish, right around there, 95, first time I ever drank coffee. I remember going into Seven didn't know what to expect because I'd never had it before, and I put the uh, the CD in. That song came up, um, and I started drinking the coffee. And I've never forgotten because I was wired like a lunatic. And I listened to that song probably three times because it was one of those songs that when you like it, you like it, and you want to hear it over and over again. And that was one of those days when I was driving to college, driving to school. I drank the coffee, and I remember getting to class, and I wouldn't shut up because it was the first time I'd ever had, had coffee and I was wired beyond belief. So those three in sequence today, right in that order, I did hear the Breeders, Don Henley, and Pearl Jam. Mike, I want to ask you a question. So the Brewers, this is Mike Flegelman, Flegs on the fan when he hosts. So the Brewers named someone by the name of Pat Murphy their new manager. Okay, great. Craig Council, as we know, was highly sought after and wound up getting a ridiculous $8 million-a-year contract. The Mets were in the market and wanted Craig Council, too. So here's my question to you. Last check, the Brewers won zero World Series. Last check, the Brewers rarely win in the playoffs. Last check, the Brewers have done a whole lot of winning in the regular season but have done nothing in the postseason. So you as one of the guys around here that loves baseball more than most, please explain to me because no one has given me an answer on this when I ask, why was Craig Council so sought after and why was he given $8 million a year? For what exactly?
3: Yeah, I get the Assumption that council just did more with less, that the payroll was very low in Milwaukee, he squeezed a lot that he could out of those teams. I still I agree with you to you know, you tell me he gets another nice job, he's getting paid five million maybe to make him this highly paid highest paid manager in baseball and just kind of anointing him like he's accomplished a lot more than he has is tipping the scale too much the other way. Again, he's done a lot yeah. with very little in terms of the talent on the roster, he's developed some players, he's been there for that, that's great. We're now going too far the other way and just saying, well, this is a guy you must have. How could you not give him $8 million to and manage your baseball team? And blow
1: out David Ross. Like yeah, right. that wasn't a team. They that just fire the guy. They
3: had a guy who had, by all accounts, it, it ended in a way that they were unhappy with, I'm sure. Yes. But a solid year last year. They were, for years, told they're building this up, back up again from the ground up after tearing it down. He's done, from all accounts, a good job there. And all of a sudden now he's just got to get kicked out. For a guy to now come in and make an absurd amount of money for a team that they're going to spend again. But, I mean, they could have kept the core together from the team that won the World Series. Right. And they decided to not spend money, break it all down for a couple of years. So it's a very weird dynamic. Oh. And you're right. It's not that just was a team with an opening that just said, let's go get the highly sought-after manager. Yeah. To just boot somebody for that reason. For him. for him. For oh, him. this
1: wasn't Joe Torrey after he left the Yankees,
3: but well, whatever. Right here, here's a guy with zero World Series appearances and ranks.
1: Right. Nothing. Zero. And very few playoff wins. All right, I gotta take a quick break when we come back, we'll wrap it up. I got something for G if he's in here. Amy Lawrence, Odyssey Sports Minute, the Bills are blowing it big time. It's the dynamic duo
4: of Alan Jerry. The superheroes of Uh, WFAN. We've got a
1: minute left. Alice out, as you uh, now know. Colonoscopy today. Hope everything goes well. G's in the studio, and I have a hello from somebody. Someone that you know. Oh, wow. Quite well. I spent uh, the evening with him last night. Mike Biseglia. Wow, you spent the evening with Mike Biseglia, who's my former producer over at CBS Sports Radio with Gio and Jones, and I. Who's at my wedding? Yep, still a very good friend. We played cornhole together last night. Oh, nice! And got our teeth kicked in by Team Sisler. Oh, wow! <laughs> we yeah. lost. We lost seven games to none really well yeah you lose four games to none but we lost so quickly we said you want to play again and that was fast but again <laughs> seven straight we lost <laughs> yeah i've played cornhole with bisegli as well not good she's not a good player no and i'm not good either these guys were i think we lost the first game 21 nothing uh then 21 8 then 21 3 then 21 7 and that was over wow. but he said to say hello he's living down uh the jersey shore now that's right so not far from me And I think he will be part of the league now going forward.
2: Nice. The Basaglias. We love them. WFAN. WFAN FM. WFAN FM HD1
3: New York. Always live on the free Odyssey app.